Okay, we're live at the Sui Builder House uh, over here in Kyoto, Japan, and I have with me Mr. Adeni. Uh, can you say your last name? Abiyoden. Abiyoden. Okay. Yeah. I didn't want to butcher it. But uh, you did well. Yeah. <laughs> you did really well. Not bad. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So you are the chief product officer at Misten Labs. But before we get into that, I want to dig into a bit about like your history and exactly how you got here. Checked out your LinkedIn profile and also your uh, various talks that you've given.、Uh, you've mentioned that you worked on blockchain products at Oracle, VMware, as well as、um, Facebook. Yeah. So, can you tell us a bit about the work you did there and maybe how it shaped you、uh, to your approach now on Sui? Sure. Probably go a bit further back. I mean, start off my career、um, as a software engineer building. Software for、um, oil companies monitoring wells、um, from long distance.、Um, then I decided to go into banking,、um, where I started building、um, risk management systems and trading engines.、Um, in 2011, I found out about technology called Bitcoin. I read the paper, initially thought it was a scam. Dug a bit deeper, and I, was, I fell in love with the code. It seemed a bit of a mess, and probably still is right now.、Yeah. Um, but I dug into the code, and I was very intrigued about what, what the possibilities would be with this decentralized tech.、Um, then I built my first company accidentally because I was mining Bitcoin, and all my friends were interested in doing it, but they didn't have the mechanism to do it themselves. So I started renting out spaces in colos and throwing、yeah. my own servers in there.、Um, that's when you could actually not—you didn't need like heavy, beefy machines. But very quickly it turned to a business where I was buying ASICs and、uh, I built a decent company there.、Um, moved over to the States as part of my company and um, um, started off another company that was a、um, data analytics company using, using blockchain tech. And、uh, once I fully、uh, diversified, I moved on to Oracle where I was hired to,、um, um, to architect the blockchain infrastructure, launched that product with, VM- with Oracle. Then after that, went to VMware to do the same thing.、Um, and had the opportunity to、um, lot of, a good, a good conversation with the folks at Facebook about what the project they're working on. I was very intrigued about the opportunity there. Joined Facebook to lead the work we're doing on the RD side of the team on the, as a product lead there. And worked on various aspects as well at Meta. But that, that's where I met my co founders, actually.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were the team responsible for building Libra. That work was mostly done about 2018, actually, 2018, 2019.、Um, and we were already thinking about what the next generation of Libra is going to be,、um, which is why when we left、um, Facebook, we didn't launch Libra.、Mm-hmm. We knew that <laughs> that technology was severely limited. And now with、uh, Hankel Soft, we could be a lot more、um, adventurous about what technologies we can implement. So, the work that you did at VMware and Oracle, is that more on the private blockchain side versus what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Those were enterprise blockchains.、Okay. Um, that was the work that we were doing there. One of them was hyper, based on Hyperledger Fabric, which is Oracle, and、yeah. VMware was based off its own SBFT、um, consensus protocol.、Mm-hmm. Actually, Hot Stuff consensus algorithm was developed at VMware as well, and that was used by Facebook to actually build Libra. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So now、uh, you're over here working on Sui. And in the past, when I've kind of looked at other blockchains and other blockchain teams, the role of CPO is something that you don't see too often.、Uh, and I think that's because a lot of people look at blockchain as an infrastructure thing instead of a product. Yeah. So, can you speak a bit about how you present Sui as a product versus only as an infrastructural thing? Towards different segments such as retail 
to the devs to like large enterprises? Yeah, I mean, my thought process is infrastructure is product too, right? Yeah. Um, um, the way I, the way we think about this is in a sense that you have to be building a product to solve problems, and you have to understand your users. And uh, we are fortunate in a place where we believe this technology is applicable to multiple um, verticals: gaming, finance, and commerce. Those are the three that we focused on at Mister Labs. Um, my work at at Facebook was actually to, I mean, my sweet spot is really turning very deep te technical um, um, projects into products that are usable by people, mm -hmm. whether they're developers, consumers, or, or what you might call it. So at Miston, we actually have a decent sized product team. I think we have about six or seven product managers now, and we're all working on different verticals. It's We're a product team, a yeah. real product team with, with ties to engineering and ties to marketing, ties to research and development as well. So product, the product mindset is very important to us because as we, if you even look at SWE as is, it's not the traditional blockchain, mm -hmm. right? We are, our pitch is not the same in the sense that we are, we care about the fact that gas needs to be stable because that's what you expect from an infra, right? You don't, mm -hmm. Google doesn't call you up and ask you for more money because right. all of a sudden, you know, they're busy, right? Yeah. They just scale the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of gas is something we think is actually impediment to growing the user, the user base. So we've implemented something in the core protocol that enables you to actually not worry about gas. So sponsored transactions where you can have another account pay gas on your behalf. From a user perspective, that is completely invisible. You have no clue what's going on. And finally, like even things like ZK login, where it allows you to use your existing web to ID to authenticate yourself on the chain directly without a middleman. Mm -hmm. I think these things like these make the blockchain more applicable. In fact, empowers developers to build more powerful applications right. to cater to a broader sense of use users. I think the mindset I've seen mostly in Web3 <laughs> since it started, it's made a lot of assumptions about the use as though users will catch right. up to the complexity yeah. rather than dumbing down the infrastructure or at least bringing the infrastructure down to a level where it's usable by yeah. the masses. So it's a different approach we're taking. Yeah, so like like you, I've been in, in the blockchain space for a while. I think I found out about Bitcoin maybe in 2012, 2013. I was in college. OG, OG. Yeah, uh, but, but I didn't buy. You know, it was still a time kind of where you, you were supposed to wire money through like Western Union. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Oh, but I, <laughs> I, I, I tried to get my mom to do it, but she was like, she worked in the banking world. So she's like, no, there's there's no way. This is, has got to be a scam. Red flags all over. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, but why, why not just put like a hundred bucks into it? I think it's going to be something. But I kind of forgot about crypto for a bit and came back in 2016 or something like that. Caught that first big bull run. And then I moved on to kind of trying to build stuff. The thing that always shocked me the most was how impractical many blockchains were, where something as basic as how does a user get an identity on the blockchain yeah. was something, you know, that they just assume, you know, you download a wallet, you have your 12 words that you have to keep. If you lose it, well, you lose all your funds. And just that perspective, I felt like was very toxic because like you said, it does assume that people will go up and try to learn more, which that's just not how the world works, right? Uh, if you look at any consumer product or any one that builds a product, you realize very quickly that trying to change consumer behavior is near, near impossible mm -hmm. unless you offer like some significant benefit, right? And it's not entirely clear to a consumer on day one that they're going to benefit from this infrastructure. So you absolutely need to meet them where they are. Yeah. And over time, maybe build in additional functionality that may make them even safer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think at the beginning, you've really got to boil it down to making the technology accessible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I've seen with Bitcoin. It's what I've seen 
with Ethereum as it's what I've seen across the whole space. It's not just the existing chains. I think most of the chains have that problem. And I think we'll probably see a divergence over time where people take more of a product-driven approach mm -hmm. because now it's infrastructure, right? Yeah. And now you need customers. Beyond just DGENs, you have to also go to the enterprise. How do we get the enterprise onto the blockchain to use the benefits that are, that are available therein? Right. Um, so I, I think there is going to be more of a change in how people think about executing um, their infrastructure projects. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the things that brought me over uh, to start building on Sui. Uh, specifically, like it makes me feel very comfortable that the the team has kind of the vision to see it from this way. Uh, the thing with like the zk login and uh, integrating with um, OpenID with uh, you know you log in with your email address, you know that's built into the chain. Yeah. Unlike uh, tools on Ethereum where you know you have companies like web3 auth yeah where it's ironic because you're in web3 but then all the user data is being managed by a third party, third party. yeah <laughs> and yes they offer the service where you know they let you uh log in with your email or something like that and then kind of sign transactions but it's it's different. So what I like on Sui is that like you have the on-chain approach. Yeah. Um. So there's no need to uh. You know, because if you use a third-party service as a developer, that also affects how much profit you can make. Correct. Yeah. Because they charge. You know, I don't know how much it is per user, but once you scale up to millions of people, it's going to be a significant bill. Yeah. So I I like the approach that Sui is taking, where you have kind of the strictly on-chain approach with open ID, uh, and the ZK login, but then you also have um, infrastructure providers like Shinami, right? Yeah. And like their approach is also different because yeah. that's completely kind of a server side thing, right? Yeah. And that's what we're actually trying to use for our stuff. Yeah. Where we're able to make the transaction on behalf of the user. Yeah. So I like how instead of the model falling in between self custodial and fully managed, you guys have figured out like a Web2 style UX completely on chain. And then on the other side, you have um, those completely managed tools, right? Yeah. So, you know, to me, that's like super exciting, um, you know, because one of the apps that we're trying to build is strictly for Web2 people. So to be able to do that on Sui is great. Why, yeah. why do you think other teams don't think like this, though? So I think the difference with Sui, if you look at the Mistin team, the mm -hmm. makeup is very, very different from traditional blockchain teams. We have um, a language expert that invented Move. Mm -hmm. We have the guy who led crypto or cryptography at Facebook and Costas, right? Sam invented Move. Costas pretty much ran most of the crypto efforts at, at, at Meta, even for WhatsApp as well. Mm -hmm. We have George, who's a distributed systems expert and a global privacy and, and confidentials, um, confidential t um, tech expert as well. Mm -hmm. Evan, who worked on LLVM, that basically uh, a, a prize award winner for the work he'd contributed, everything yeah. we use in our phones. A lot of the work, is, his code is still in there, for good or bad reasons. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then and myself, I'm more on the product side, right? Yeah. Uh, strong from a tech perspective, but more focused on the user aspects, right? Mm-hmm. And you find generally with some teams, it's always over-indexing on one versus the other. So you have some teams that are very strong on crypto, and then they're focused on just the cryptography, and mm-hmm. you have these ZK folks, right? Yeah. Or some folks who like a lot of a hacky, they like hack solutions or hack consensus engines together without much of the science behind it. And you have a lot of consensus protocols as a result with a lot of bugs. Um, you have folks who are focused purely on the language aspect and less on the infra angle. Yeah. Whereas I feel we're more rounded as a team, right? And I think that's been really helpful because we can think about the problem the, or the solution from multiple angles, right? Um, SWE is special not because we have just a move programming language or not because we have a very fast consensus algorithm or not because we have crypto cryptography that's very agile on the chain or not because of Zika Long. It's the fact that we can package all that into one solution as an yeah. infrastructure provider um, enabling validators to run a network that's distributed with those mm-hmm. values without having to have multiple third parties offering it. I think that's what makes SWE special in the sense that it takes disparate disciplines to actually solve the problem. Yeah. Um, that's why I think others don't do the same thing. I think it's it's to do with the makeup of the teams. Um, if you also look at what we do at Miston Labs, a lot of the work we've done for SWE is actually published papers, right? Yeah. Like a lot of it is a peer-reviewed by the top venues in the world, right? So we're not just making things up from the seat of our pants, right? We're doing it with a lot of scientific rigor, um, but we don't also believe in the idea that you just research something for 10 years and never deliver a product. Mm-hmm. So we're reason why people love working with us or working for us is, especially if you're a PhD, the work that you normally do as a PhD student, you can actually do the work and actually it will turn to a product relatively quickly. Yeah. So it's that aspect of practicality and also the hard science mm-hmm. that I think is very enticing. It, it, makes, it makes the company special, I feel. Right. The really interesting thing to me about blockchain and especially blockchain in the DeFi space is that the permissionless nature is really interesting. You know, if you have the smart contracts and you're able to build different clients to interact with it. So that's very different from how the traditional finance works. You know, it's like if I'm at Bank of America, I don't like the interface. I can't build a new one for it. Yeah. But you can do that on blockchain. So that kind of tells me and my thesis on this is that eventually I think we'll get kind of two general segments of users where one might be interacting with the primitive directly, either via a self-custodial thing or a ZK thing. Yeah. And then the other side, maybe the managed providers, you know, such as Cash App and other apps, yeah. are going to use that in the background, but still, you know, expose their front end to Correct. the user. So with that in mind, the identity of the user has to either be through the managed service or either through a self-custodial way. So for blockchains that are built without that in mind and are relying on third-party options, do you think that they're going to realize this someday? Or do you think a lot of these blockchains might have enough money where, you know, they're able to buy that user and buy like the behavior of that user? I don't know if this is something that money can buy. So I want yeah. to get your so perspective I, on that. So I, I think I've always been dubious of identity primitives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did work at, while I was at VMware at the W3C, and I see how long it takes these standards and things to apply. My my thought process personally, I mean, this is probably not just Miston's idea, but just yeah. the way I think about it, right, um, personally, is that 
users don't need yet more identities, right? Mm-hmm. They've already got enough in Web2. Yeah. How do you make their existing Web2 identities relevant to, to them in this new world of digital ownership? Right. Which is why ZK Login is what we created. Like, how do I enable you to use my Facebook account or my Google account or my existing you know, Twitter account, if they support a wealth, to own assets, right? And that's powerful because it now means I can email you an asset on chain and you can claim it. What does that mean now? It means rather than building an SDK that would interact with some mail service to deliver coupons via email, I could just imp- implement an SDK that'll deliver that mm-hmm. asset via email on chain to you, and only your email can claim it. Yeah. That now means everybody has access to the network. So when we talk about billions of users, now everybody um, has access to a blockchain without knowing they're using the chain. Yeah. I think without having that thought process early on as a, as a platform, you're going to struggle to unwind it because you have to have the ability to have crypto agility, the, the ability to support multiple um, 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 key pairs, the ability to support multiple types of signatures, the ability to support even complex forms of signatures and, um, um, and pathways that we don't think others can do now. Mm-hmm. Or it's very, very difficult to. Yeah. SWE supports not only ZK login, but it also supports like custom login. If you want to build like a circuit off-chain that... Um, like ends up being a username and password, mm-hmm. but when you submit it on chain, no one knows what that encryption is right. because it's it's a zk circuit. Yeah, yeah. You could do that, mm-hmm. but also we also support your iPhone, right? You could use your iPhone um, off your iPhone Enclave to yeah. generate a key for you. You could also use the Android device as well. Face so, ID, as face ID, yeah. you name it. So yeah. that agility is built in with a mindset that devs want to use existing tools. They don't need a new one. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's that idea that I think it might be a bit foreign to most people in Web3 because yeah. we think wallets are cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're not. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's what's useful, right? Yeah. Because I, you know, I think wallets should be just leveraging mm-hmm. existing um, um, IDs that users have yeah. and, and, and giving them access. I feel like a lot of builders in Web3 assume that they're building, they have to build something from scratch where Web 2 to Web 3, you're like incrementing the number, right? Which kind of means you're building on top of Web 2. Yes. So to discount the billions of dollars that have been put into like Web 2 authentication, you know, all the research that Apple has done, though that's not strictly a Web 2 thing, uh, but it's more like just to discount all of that work and to start from scratch and say like users have to hold their keys is just a very counterproductive and ignorant way to look at it i think yeah um, we, we yeah. tend to, we tend to agree yeah. i think asking someone to go and buy a hardware device before they can own money yeah. is a non-starter uh-huh. think about it from just a use case perspective right like most apps are spending a lot of money on user acquisition mm. so if it's costing you dollars to acquire a user yeah and then they just get to the point of they just paid the money it's already hard to fight for eyeballs, especially going away with the cookies as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've paid enough money to get someone to your app to the point where they're interested in using it. You now gate them to say, get off my app to go and download something yeah. as a wallet, go and buy some crypto, right. and then come back to me and finish your flow. Yeah, That's dead on arrival. Right. You're not, you're, that's never going to scale. Yeah. So you have to be pragmatic in a sense of, okay, how do I build something that enables someone to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. How do I increase their engagement, retention, conversion? Yeah. All the metrics I care about from a business perspective, that's how we think from a Mistin perspective, especially if we think, when we think about SWE. It's how do we build core pieces of tech to increase engagement, retention, conversion? Because at that point, the numbers matter, right? It's really yeah. about making more money for, yeah. for um, a corporation or for a developer. Mm-hmm. And it's less the degen thought process. I think right. the degens are great. They're great for inciting incitement and bring a lot of um, interesting dollars. VCs jump into the space as a result, but that's not going to grow the space. Yeah. Um, 
the users are in Web2. Right. And how do we bri- build bridges from the users who are ready in Web2 so they can utilize Web3 with the least amount of friction yeah. possible? Yeah. You still have a world where people love to have seed phrases, and that's fine. Uh-huh. You still, that, that's still possible. It's yeah. not a one versus the other. Like, you can have both, right? Yeah. But I think the most important part is, which is why I like why we do things on a protocol level. Right? A smart contract doesn't need to be implemented to say, I accept a ZK, <clears throat> a ZK login versus a seed phrase account versus some other account. Right. An account is an account, yeah. right? And uh, developers building dApps don't have to try and cater for one crowd versus the other. A dApp is a dApp. Every account can use it. And I think yeah. that's the world we like to live in, and we think that's the world that most people should really be pivoting towards. Yeah, sweet. All right, so the, the last thing that I want to kind of cover in relation to SWE is another thing that's very different from other chains is the object-centric nature of SWE. So for, for those who might not know, chains like Ethereum, Solana, every EVM chain, you know, it works on kind of an account-based thing where you don't have an asset, but an asset is represented in a ledger within the contract. So is this object-centric nature of SWE something that is because of Move or it's not really a relevant thing? And how did you guys kind of arrive to that whole change? Yeah. Huge change. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remembered when we were thinking about this through, I mean, Sam is a brilliant mind when it comes to things like this. Um, we, one thing about Move is, Move is great because it gives you the ability, the safety yeah. that you just don't get with EVM mm-hmm. or other kind of uh, virtual machines. Yeah. It allows you to really, when we are building it at Facebook, the idea was mm-hmm. let's build a very secure language. We'd, we'd assess Ethereum, we'd assess, uh, assess everything, and it just didn't fit the bar. If we wanted to go before regulators and, and say, we can give you, without a shadow of a doubt, that this transaction is not going to break a certain amount of rule, or yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be compliant to, um, to a high degree of certainty, we couldn't do that with any other language. So Move was necessary to make that happen. It gives you the security. There isn't um, certain properties that you get that are um, non-deterministic in other languages that actually cause uh, cause of many hacks and frauds we see today on, in crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, now, building off that, um, th- that um, um, structure, Move still had certain limitations, restrictions. We wanted the ability to have, like, you know, being able to deal with contention very well, to know if, if I'm sending money to you and you're sending money to someone else, these two transactions have nothing to do with each other. Why do we have to treat everything as though they're highly related? Move has mm. the same problem as EVM and other chains without respects. Yeah. Now, when the object model seemed like the right way to go because one, um, most programming languages already deal in objects, mm-hmm. yeah. right? If you program in C Sharp, you program in Java, they're all object-oriented models. So a developer is already very akin to the idea of objects. Also, assets are objects, mm-hmm. right? The fact that I build an asset, everything is an object in our in our world. Whereas rather than having anything as an account, it's actually very highly restrictive. And you actually restrict your your uh, mm-hmm. ability to scale. Yeah. So it became a necessity. Now, move it makes it possible because you can take an object in a like I can take an object, pass it to you in a function, mm-hmm. and receive that object back, knowing that you cannot invalidate any of the rules around the object I've built. Yeah. You can't do that with Ethereum or Solana with bytes. Mm-hmm. Just sending bytes to someone right, right. or sending a message to an account. Like there's no composability yeah. there. There is no composability in Web3 in reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas now with an object model and in a safety guaranteed by the move um um virtual machine, you now have real 
dynamic, um, real um, composability in ecosystems where yeah. I can build a small contract, I can build an object, and I can interact with any any um, small contract that accepts my function or accepts my object as an argument, yeah. which is just not possible elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that's really going to open up more use cases. Yeah. So move makes it possible, but like it became a necessity by design in mm. terms of the object-based. Uh, approach. Yeah. You can't just take an off-the-shelf object-oriented language yeah. and throw that in a blockchain and hope it works. We've already yeah. seen it. Um, Hyperledger did that with um, the um, with the you know with its multiple virtual machine approach, and yeah. you know that, that doesn't doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. I think the object-centric nature of SWE is actually like a super great feature for devs because like it removes that layer of abstraction, right? Where if you want to represent an object on some Thing like Ethereum, you have to build an abstraction on top of how Correct. it works. Yep. Which, you know, if when you have to do that, it can be tricky and very uh, not intuitive. But on Sui, you know, and this is something you kind of see in the gaming space, right? Where the idea of objects in games is kind of obvious as well. Like we're building a ticketing platform on Sui, where yeah. we're able to, you know, have the ticket as an object, yep. you know, and then the seat number associated with that ticket as a different object. Correct. And to be able to like move that back and forth in a very easy way to picture in your head, you know, like the ticket is a box, you know, you put the seat number in it. You don't have to build an abstraction on top of how the account-based contracts work. Not only that, yeah. you also don't have to build in a lot of boiler code that you right. have to do in EVM yeah. or Solana just yeah. to make it work. In fact, yeah. the, the code complexity is significantly reduced. Mm -hmm. That also means the audits are easier and then the opportunity for bugs are greatly reduced, right? Right. So dealing with like, um, you know, violations of like balances and things like that you generally have to do with other programming languages. Yeah. You just don't get that with Move, right? Right. So yeah. I, I do want to clarify because I actually haven't looked at many other chains that use Move. Is this object centric thing because of Move or do all Move chains have to use objects, I, I guess? Or good is question. it a sweet thing? So, so Move itself is a platform uh, blockchain agnostic programming yeah. language. Um, it doesn't, uh, there are many things that are baked in traditional, um, like for example, if you're writing an EVM, mm -hmm. um, writing in Solidity for, for the EVM, yeah. there are certain things about the infrastructure you almost have to know. It gets you into the details yeah. where it moves a, a step above that. It doesn't, you don't need to almost know a lot of the elements of like how the chain works yeah. to, to build on it. But at the same time, you can build ver various flavors of move. Okay. And SWE move, uh, the traditional move is not object based. Right, yeah, it's actually account based. Okay, right. Sui takes it a step further by taking move and then adding objects on top of that as the as a basically the level of abstraction, mm. and that actually gives you okay. the benefit of the object model, which right. no other chain actually has. Yeah, so the boilerplate is kind of baked into the core. Yeah, because yeah. it's not only that when you have the object model now. Your your the fact that you've got the subject model now you can deal with contention better. So yeah. you have to also make sure content, your consensus algorithm can take advantage mm -hmm. of the fact that you now don't have contention anymore, right? There are many benefits you get as a result. So you have to implement it all across the stack to make sure you get the most amount of performance out of the system. Yeah, yeah. I I think reducing the friction for for devs to represent objects is really a huge thing, and I think it might play a big role in that situation where a dev might be thinking, you know, I really want to do this complex, like saying you're trying to model a car on chain, right? Like yeah. Where you have the car, the wheels belong to the car, the tires belong to the wheels. Having the dev and giving them the tool to be like, this is how you do it quickly and very easy to, to grasp, you know? I think that's a huge thing. It really 
lowers the barrier, the to, barrier entry. to entry yeah. and, and stuff along those lines. So, you know, if there's any devs out there, uh, if, if you want to do things with objects, which is like a huge thing for blockchain because everything on earth is, uh, is an object. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want to model that on the blockchain, you know, it's just not a move thing. You have to do it on Sui. So the last thing that I want to ask you about is what do you see in a crypto slash Web3 enabled future? Like up until now, I don't think we've seen a lot of world changing stuff. In fact, I think a lot of the stuff that is going on in the NFT space and the DeFi space to an extent is actually pushing the industry backward. You know, it's so much speculation. Totally agree. Yeah. So in your ideal world, you know, what is the Web3 enabled future and what does, uh, and how does we play into that? I think that that world is, it has to be a blurred world where the idea of just, so Web3 is more the idea that ownership is something that is built into digital assets, right? That you have self-sovereignty over the assets that you own um, rather than it being in some random database somewhere. And I mm-hmm. think that can be done without much complexity. And to do that, you need scale, right? So I touched on the example before where, you know, imagine with Sui, I, when I have an email list and I need to distribute to- um, tickets, you just bought a ticket. Yeah. Rather than going to some venue to try and buy a ticket and you hold it, you've got to find a way to sell it, make sure it's secure, it's, make sure it's not a fraud. You can just simply email the ticket to the user and the user can go to a marketplace and they can be verified on chain and can sell it directly. Yeah. So that you're using the chain as interrupt, mm-hmm. but the email is a delivery mechanism. So I've emailed it to you, the chain allows you to verify your ownership and you now have that possession of that asset. You can sell that anywhere you want using the ledger as a form of verification. I think that's a very exciting world because that now lowers the barrier to entry to any use case. To imagine, even if you had ZK login in an existing chain, but the fact that you can't deal with infinite amount of transactions, you can't scale. So what if I want to do a million emails per, per second, right? What does that mean? Oh, wait for a layer two. Let me do some ZK rollup. That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, yeah. But now if you have infrastructure that can scale as you add more machines to it, it means now anyone can think about, okay, now I'm going to move my work stream of mass delivering assets to people from even games I think the same way rather than delivering by some obscure mechanism i can use a chain why because a chain gives the user real ownership they can transfer it they have all this additional utility that's beneficial to them that i don't have to build yeah in fact there are other services built as a as a as a benefit that i can introduce them to to get more value out of the miles i'm giving them with the assets so i think that comp- world of composability is what really excites us mm-hmm. and it's going to be on a on a business on a business level yeah. um that's where i think it is and and for that to happen transactions need to be very cheap mm-hmm. right like a cent is too expensive it needs to be fractions of a cent uh, and the lower the cost the actual more opportunities there are for use cases where augmentation by ownership is something that's possible yeah so that, that for us is, is it. And the user should not be thinking about the chain. The user should just be thinking about, right. I own something. And then there's a process for me to claim that asset and then present my ownership and sell it and transfer it as a result. Do you think there will be a time um, in the future uh, where... So a, a central theme in Web3 is trying to fix kind of the power imbalance between you know, supply, demand, and the service providers in the middle. Um, to fix that and try to, you know, replace certain parts in the middle with smart contracts mm-hmm. uh, and to allow for like a more peer-to-peer thing. Um, do you think there will come a time uh, where the replacement of the service pi- providers get to the point where 
the service providers themselves are like, crap, now we need to get on the same side as the users. Um, one example would be uh, exchanging airline points across different airlines, you know, yeah. to, to have those miles as tokens and give the consumer the ability you know, to switch Japan airline miles over to some, some, some other thing. Do you, do you think the movement will get to that point where the users will kind of demand that so much that these um, providers in the middle will kind of have to go yeah. along with it for their own sake. I, I think once users taste freedom and ownership, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to take them to walk off that ledge, right? From yeah. it, right? I think once the users have real ownership of their assets and they see the benefits they get from real ownership, I think it's going to be very hard for another company to come in and say, we're not going to give you what you really crave. Right. So I think that behavior... And I think this is a problem of AdWord 3, right? Like we've not allowed that to happen. Oh, yeah, we simply yeah. put roadblocks in the way. But yeah. once we enable that to be the case, then in droves, everyone's going to be used to owning their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, I agree with you. I actually think as well that just like AI is going to take some jobs away, mm -hmm. um, crypto blockchain technology is going to take away some needs for services that were originally facilitating trust, yeah. that expensive. So, That's what we're trying to do with the ticketing, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's decentralized trust, right? Yeah. Like you're literally decentralizing the trust element. Yeah. And I think some services don't need to exist yeah. as a result. And maybe the new services that will come up as the lack of these centralized services. And I think that's that's a good thing. Yes. It's a good or maybe they will will exist, but no longer in a conflict of interest with the users. Correct. And, and, and absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and offer more value to the users, yeah. right? And um, it's... Maybe it creates a better competition. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time. Hope to do this again in the future. It's a pleasure. Anytime, let me know.